0: You're listening to the Crossroads Grace Podcast, a podcast of Crossroads Grace Community Church. To learn more about our gathering times and ways you can get involved, check out our website at crossroadsgrace.org. in a certain spot in the Bible in just a moment, Ephesians chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles with you, your Crossroads Grace apps, open up to Ephesians chapter 4, Crossroads Online. Here comes that link right in that chat. You can click right on it and join us right there, Ephesians chapter 4. But let me give you a heads up. Before I get too far into it, I'm going to have a little bit longer of a runway before I get to Ephesians so I can establish what we're talking about today. So here, I tell you that just don't worry. Okay, don't worry. Don't start thinking like, does this guy ever like read the Bible? Yes. Yes, I do. I told you it's going to take a little while. So just relax a little bit. It's going to be there in just a moment. So Ephesians 4 is where we're going to be at. But we're in the middle of a series called The Domino Effect. And I just want to explain exactly what The Domino Effect is, is really all about. Uh, now, we've all kind of seen dominoes before, and what it really is talking about, this domino effect, is that small decisions in our life can create really big changes later in life. Much of like as you have like a dominoes that gets set up, and you touch that first one, and it, and it kind of pushes down all the rest of them. You know, it's the, the first domino that falls becomes the, the catalyst for the rest of them. You know, it's, that's kind of how it works. Um, Oh, I hate to have to get that one out, but anyway, yeah, um, but that, that's how it works. One domino falls, the rest of them go, and then you've got the, uh, the, the domino effect that, that comes after that. And in our life, we know about the domino effect. We know how one decision, one mistake, one good choice led to a domino effect in our life, either in a good way or in a really, really bad way. But what typically lies behind those choices that we make in our life are habits that influence them, if not drive them all together. So what's going to push us forwards towards our goal, to achieving our goals, or sabotaging our goals are the good or bad habits that we've developed over the course of a lifetime. And, and, And let's face it, there's some really weird habits out there that people have. I mean, it didn't take a lot of searching to find some really weird habits, even just on Twitter alone. Look at some of these that we found, like for instance, this first one. My car radio volume has to be an even number or a multiple of five. Anybody have that habit? Like, that's just, I see that. Oh, I saw a hand. All right, we got that, okay. How about this next one right here? I can't go to sleep without flipping my pillow to the cold side first. Now, I don't think that's a habit. That's just called being a normal human being, okay? That's just what that is, okay? So everybody, who wants a hot pillow? Nobody, anyway. Okay, next thing. Sometimes I try to see if I can complete multiple tasks before the microwave is done. Anybody tried that before? Oh, dude, yeah, I'm like, okay, I got a minute and a half, right, okay, How about this one right here? Uh, Let's see here. I measure time in music sometimes, thinking it might take me two songs to get to. Anybody else do that? Thinking, Okay, all right. Two, two, uh, like, uh, Spice Girls songs is going to be able to get me this far. You know, that kind of thing, but Spice Girls, nobody? Okay, all right, anyway. Next up, when I eat food, I eat them in order of least like to most like, so the last thing I eat could taste the best. Anybody do this? Okay, I don't get that. I don't get that, right? Why would you have the best thing you want be cold at the end of your meal? I'd I, I, eat that sucker first. Anyway, okay. Somebody say save the best for last, whatever. Okay, but you're right. I mean, this is some goofy habits, but, but here's the deal. We all know that the habits that affect our outcome in our life are much deeper than a cold pillow. Because what we fail to realize is that the types of habits that impact us the most are far more spiritual than we give them credit for. These habits can connect us with God or they can pull us farther away from him. So this is why we're we're taking the time to look at some of these bad domino habits and stop them before they start falling in our life. We've said that we wanna actually choose better dominoes to push over in our life. But the key word that I just said there is choose. It's, It's choose. We ultimately have the choice of what habits we choose to allow in our lives. This is why I've wanted to come back to this every single week, this one kind of phrase, this idea that we can always choose the better way that leads to a better life in Jesus. We can do that. We have the choice to create better habits in our lives that honor Jesus or or not. So in week one, we started off by looking at the, the habit of making excuses. And we said that in when we make excuses, we're undercutting our character and our goals by giving power in our lives to someone or something excuses make us a victim. We become a victim in life, which is never where God wants us to be. God wants us to be excuse-free by finding our identity in him and nothing else, which is why we said in week one, we said that when we know who we are in Christ, our identity, we don't need excuses to be someone else. Once you know, you don't care about anything else. So then last week, we looked at this idea of pride, the, the, uh, the, the, the habit of pride, and how we can become very self-focused when that c- comes in our life. We start to see ourselves as better than everyone else in the world, and it, become, it makes us blind to the life that Jesus actually called us to live. It's very much like the story of the Greek god, Narcissus, that uh, saw his reflection in the water one day and he fell in love with it, and he stared so long at his reflection that he fell in love, he fell, fell in love with himself. And he finally realized that it was a reflection of himself and he realized he would never be able to have that love and so he killed himself, which is where the term narcissism comes from. It's rooted in prideful love of ourself. But yet when the domino of pride falls, it never leads to the meaning and purpose that we thought it would lead to, which is why God says that we must choose to have a new way of looking at life, a way that doesn't have us as the center of our life, but that has Jesus at the center. And so we said last week that humility, that's what we're talking about, humility is thinking of Jesus first. And when you think of Jesus first, you have to think of yourself second, and that then takes the sting out of the pride that's in our life. So we have the habit of excuses and we also have the habit of pride that we've already covered, but now we come to the one, the habit today that is going to influence the next domino effect in our life, and that is the habit of anger. Right, yeah, right. Anger, we're gonna talk about some anger today, okay? We're gonna talk about some anger, okay? People clapping for anger, I love it already, that's so good, okay? But can we just all agree that there's a lot of angry people in the world right now? Can I get an amen for angry people in the world somewhere? Hello, okay? I hear that. Everywhere people are angry, especially in California, the state that we live in. We are the epicenter of angry, am I right, right? But apparently we also know the solution to anger because all you have to do to not be angry anymore here in California is move to Tennessee or Texas or Idaho, and then just everything goes, goes away, right? And just by me saying that, I made some people angry. There you go, right? You're welcome, okay? But, but there's a lot of angry people in the world, and, and there's a lot to be angry with in the world, so much of which is justified but some is just people like, looking for a reason to be angry to act a fool, I just think, okay? See, see, I've often found that on any given day, I could choose to be angry about a bunch of stuff. Guys, last Sunday, a week ago today, I was just all hacked off. I was all kinds of mad. That's right, Pastor B just through the roof, okay? Because to be honest, the first 10 days of 2022 have not been the best for team hunt, I mean, the paint hadn't even dried on our New Year's resolution before there was a dump truck driven right through the center of that sucker, you know? It's been terrible. Let me give you a quick glance as far as what's happened for Team Hunt. Sunday, January 2nd, Easton, my son, comes in from playing in outside. He had tripped and fallen over one of his buddies he's playing basketball with, landed chin first, exploded his chin. My wife had to take him to the ER to be able to get stitches and staples and glue and all that kind of stuff. That was January 2nd. January 3rd, Monday, January 3rd, the very next day, what do we have? Dentist appointments. Yep, nothing says welcome to 2022 like a bunch of stuff in your face, you know? Like, and I even scheduled it, that's a terrible. I know if you're a dental hygienist, still stinks, okay, anyway, okay? Right. Wednesday, January 5th, our puppy Drea, she had a follow-up cardiology appointment. Didn't get good results on that bad boy, yeah. And it was her birthday, so happy birthday, your heart stinks, like that's a bad day. Thursday, January 6th, I got a cold that kind of just knocked me on my butt. I'm telling you, I lost, almost lost my voice. I had to sleep in the spare bedroom. Just got out a couple of days ago. I mean, it was just crazy. And then Sunday, January 9th, one week ago, driving home, one o'clock, Cherie calls me on the phone and she says, yeah, Aniston was practicing volleyball in the front room. She slipped and fell and landed on her wrist. I'm on the way to the ER. So that's right, the same ER one week later. My, my daughter now has a broken arm out for five weeks of competitive volleyball. That's only 10 days into 2022, people, okay? So yeah, I think I get a little something about anger, okay? Like I'm, I get it, okay? And maybe you're like me and you're like, man, there's some stuff that makes me angry right now. Like I'm thinking about myself, like I could get angry about the weather being too hot or too cold, just like that. I could get angry about how my kids aren't appreciative of what, my, uh, what Sheree and I do for them. I get angry that I don't have enough time for myself, and that can happen before I even leave for the day, right? I get angry at a drop of a hat. And you might be saying, you might be watching online thinking, dude needs some anger management classes," you know? And you know what, you might be right, but I'm guessing that the classes would be pretty full of y'all if you were honest with yourself about how you were feeling too. In fact, I bet we could carpool with some of those people online right now to be able to get to class a little bit more efficiently. I see you, Waffle Boy, like I see you right now, okay? So so guys, listen, anger is powerful and it can become a, a habit if we aren't careful. And why it's so dangerous is that unlike many of the other domino habits that we've talked about, anger doesn't have the same gradual effect as the other ones do. You see, excuses and pride, even worry, we're gonna talk about that next week, um, they have a very standard domino effect to them, meaning, like, if you just touch one of them, you know, like, it's just this, like, natural little effect that happens. It's very it's pleasant. But the domino of anger, much different, because anger doesn't just tip it over. Anger blows it up, you know what I mean? Like, it just explodes. It isn't gradual. It's explosive, And I have seen anger do the most destruction over any habit on the planet. Anger does. Now, I've said this before, and it bears repeating, that anger in and of itself is not not bad. Anger is an emotion that was given to us by God to steward. It's an emotion that we see God actually inhibit in himself in the Bible. Look at Psalm 7, verse 6 this week, and take a look at that. We see that Jesus became angry. We know that the disciples became angry. So, Anger does not have to be a bad thing. It just means, just like anything else that God created, that this becomes true. A God thing used in godly ways leads to good things. But a God thing used in ungodly ways will always lead to bad things. That's how it works. Anger's no different. Righteous anger is a good thing, and it could propel us towards making a difference in this world, because when we see something that's wrong, righteous anger makes it bother us to the point of doing something about it. Racism, sexism, abuse, injustice, these are things that should bubble up something inside us and say hey, that's wrong and something needs to be done about it. This is the heartbeat of the mission of Martin Luther King Jr. as we remember this weekend. That Dr. King was driven to make a difference for the good when his anger towards racism and segregation made him realize that he must act and do something. However, Dr. King knew that his anger could also be dangerous could cause him to fall into the other type of anger, which is known as unrighteous anger very easily. And Psalm 4-4 reminds us of how that tipping point where it says, in your what? In your anger, do not sin. When we repeatedly use unrighteous anger to accomplish our goals, no matter how good the desired outcome is, we become the very thing that we despise. Using anger the wrong way has a domino effect in your life that yields destruction. And I know that in a room this size, number of people that are joining us online from home right now, you know this full well. Perhaps you're sitting in the wreckage of your anger right now. Your marriage is destroyed. You've lost your job. Friendships have been lost, your credibility is shot. Your kids, they don't look at you the same. And here's what I know that's true about every person who's feeling that right now because I've felt that myself, me personally. You feel terrible. You you hate yourself for the damage that you've caused. You're angry with yourself because of the mess. You may be even crying to yourself knowing all the things that you've done to the people that you love and all the people around you. And I know that you feel that, man or woman alike, you feel that. But I also know that if you could go back in time to that moment, like that moment, right before your anger got the best of you, we all would say that anger seemed like the best option. It it seemed like the best way to get the frustration that was inside me out. You you know what I mean? Like everything inside you screamed, like, oh, just get it out, Just, just do it. Just yell it out, just punch it out, just do whatever feels good, just do it. But then when you did it, it lied to you. It lied because the moment the endorphins ran out or the red in front of your eyes faded, you saw clear you would have chosen a different way. You would not have let that domino of anger fall because it wasn't worth it. It didn't solve anything. So what's the solution, though? I mean, really, what's the solution? How do you counteract anger that's in our hearts so that it doesn't become sin? Like, what do we do with that? Well, I wanna use a part of the Apostle Paul's words to this church that he was writing to in Ephesus. It's known as the book of Ephesians in the New Testament of the Bible, which is where you guys have been holding on to. If you've had your finger in Ephesians chapter four, maybe your Crossroads Grace app open there, It's a time to look there. If you join us a little bit late, Crossroads Online, throw that link in there for me one more time so people can jump in there. Ephesians four, and we're gonna walk through this little text today to be able to understand, to understand a little bit more fully how we can counteract anger in our life. Look at verse 17 and listen to Paul's words. Paul says, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Now, let me kind of clarify some terms before we get too far. Um, Paul often talks about two different groups of people in his letters. He talks about the Jews and the Gentiles. Now, the Jewish people during that time, those are the people that believed in the God of the Bible. They believed in God. They were very religious in following him. Gentiles were considered people that didn't believe in God outside of the Jewish faith. They were considered unclean. Now, if we were to modernize it today, what we would say is that the Jews would represent Christians, people that believe in Jesus, and Gentiles would be the ones that are outside of believing in Jesus, haven't believed in Jesus yet, and so what Paul is kind of describing to us, he wants us to know how, how this relates, how the different lives li- relate to each other, those that believe in Jesus, those that don't. But what he really is gonna be focusing on and what I want us to focus on is how this relates to the habit of anger. And pay very close attention to this first word that he uses. He actually says, hey, I insist on this, he says he's not saying, "Hey, you know, if you want to maybe pay attention, or if you get around to it, or if it fits in with your schedule." No, he says, "Listen, I insist that you listen about what I'm about to say. I'm insisting in it on the Lord. It's that important." And what would he insist on? Look at verse 18. Verse 18 says, "They—that's the Gentiles—he's speaking of, or those that are far from God." He says, "They darken; they are darkened in their understanding, and separated from the life of God." because of the ignorance that's in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge every kind of impurity and they're full of greed. Paul says that someone who's far from God will have a much different approach to life than someone that does know Jesus. And if you consider what he says, what he's actually describing is really what happens when anger takes over in our life. And I understand that Paul's not talking exclusively about anger in this passage, but we can take a great deal away from what he said and apply it towards anger. And there he says this. I believe that this is kind of the summary. Unchecked anger will cause your heart to harden, your mind to cloud, and your sensibility to leave. That's true. Think think about that just for a moment and, and just think about it. When you're angry at someone, tell me that your heart doesn't feel different. You don't care the same way. You don't feel the same way. You don't even even want the same things that you normally want. Why? Because your your heart has become hardened in your anger. When you're angry, isn't it true that your mind thinks differently? just thinks differently. You, You think nasty thoughts. You consider hurtful things. You dream up terrible paybacks. You stop thinking, or you start, I should say, you stop thinking of alternative solutions to problems. Why? Because your your mind is clouded with anger. So not only is your heart hardened in your mind, but also the, the last thing you see is it starts to affect your sensibility. Your sensibility. You no longer are rational, you are reactive. You lose sight of any sense of consequence. You have a skewed view of reality. Anger will make you think and do and say things that you normally would never do because it has affected what? It's affected your sensibility. So if we're choosing not to follow God in our life, we will naturally let all kinds of things happen, especially when it comes to our anger. Our hearts will be different, our minds will be different, and we will not be thinking sensible, which can be so dangerous which is why Paul goes on to say this in verse 20. Verse 20, he says, that, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. Paul says, listen, listen, listen. There's another way. There's another way. There's a better way. In fact, it's a way that I I taught you, a better way of life, which is found in Jesus. And you might wanna say, well, what what did he teach? I'm glad you asked. Look at verse 22. He says, He says this, he says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. But what Paul says here should be really freeing to all of us. He says, listen guys, listen, just because you used to live this way, just because you used to act this way, just because you used to think this way, it doesn't mean like it, that it has to be like that all the time. He says, it could be different. When Jesus comes in your life, it can be different. Let Jesus be your guide to something, so to a new way of life that this world and your old way of thinking will never ever offer you. Jesus wants to do something new inside of us that anger can never do, and also that anger cannot stand. Jesus wants to soften your hearts and let it beat for him again. And he knows that there's only one way to do that. We gotta let go of a bunch of stuff. Paul starts to list off all this stuff. Look in verse 25. Verse 25 says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speaking and speak truthfully to your neighbor, and we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now, I don't know about you, but like this Heard a lot when I heard this because he just obliterated my life. He read my mail. That's my life. He says, hey, if you want to walk in a new life, if you want one without a hard heart, a clouded mind, or a loss of sensibility, then you gotta get rid of some stuff. And when you look closely at what he says, it all stems from anger. Because, t- tell me this, tell me this, when you're angry, come on now, Some unwholesome talk comes out of your mouth a few times, doesn't it? I mean, I know some of the sweetest people on the face of the earth, but if you provoke them enough, they will say things that even construction site workers are like, ooh, that ain't good, you know? Like, isn't it true? We'll make up swear words when we're mad enough? Like, I don't even know what that means, but that's nasty. Like, you don't even know, right? Unwholesome talk. When Paul talks about stealing, can I tell you, this is a microcosm of all the dumb stuff that we do when we're angry, doesn't it? We might not physically steal from someone, but we'll steal someone's dignity by some terrible, nasty post online. We might not jack a car, but we'll jack with someone's character with that little white lie. We might not shoplift from a store, but we're gonna swipe a little glance at somebody else's wife because, hey, what's the big deal? This is why Paul says, hey, guess what you gotta get rid of first? Anger, and I think all the rest of these other things are gonna fall away. But I did leave one other thing that Paul says, kind of separate on its own. Look at verse 30. Verse 30 says this, it says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now here's why this is really important. In, in, In your honest moment, tell me this isn't true. Because in our anger, don't we get mad at God when in reality, we're just mad at ourselves? Like we'll turn from God, we'll tell everybody, I'm so mad at God, But in reality, we're just embarrassed and we're furious with ourselves. Why? Because deep down, we know better. We know that there's a better way. We know that we were meant for more. We know that anger will not give us what we're looking for. But in our pride, in our anger, we choose to turn from God when he's the thing we need the most. Because he knows, he knows this, and I think you know this. You can't will yourself into loving others instead of being angry. Like, you can't just say, I'm just gonna be loving now, and I'm not angry anymore. Like, it just... No, it's not a matter of just loving more and hating less or being angry less. No, we need to be rooted in love, which is only found in Jesus. And when we have Jesus, then we have the love we need to overcome our anger, which is why when we run from Jesus instead of to him, it says it grieves God. This word for grieve actually means to distress. So this means that we are distressing God when we run from him. Paul says, don't do that. But come to Jesus. Stop distressing him and come and rest in him. Come to the source of what will take you from the depths of anger to the heights of freedom and love. Come to Jesus because God has a totally different life for us. He never designed us to live a life of anger, but of love. That's why he says this in verse 31 and 32. 31 and 32 says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Now, the Greek word for this set of words, this, this get rid, is actually this word right here. It's called ero, or airo, airo. means take away, separate yourself from. So, so Paul is saying, hey, listen, Paul is saying, God wants you to get rid of, to separate, to take away bitterness in rage in anger and brawling and slander and malice. He says, get rid of all of that. Take it away. Separate yourself from that. And when you separate yourself from that, here's what I want you to do instead. I want you to glue yourself to kindness. I want you to be compassionate. I want you to learn to forgive. I want you to connect with that. Get rid of this. Connect with this. But he says, the only way that it's possible is if we know Christ. It's only because of Jesus. And when you know Jesus, you know God. And when you know God, you know love. The Bible tells us that God is love. 1 John four sixteen would tell us this. It would say, it says, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And it is this love, it is this love that will counteract anger because love, God, always wins. Martin Luther King Jr. once said, he says that hatred paralyzes life, love releases it. Hatred confuses life, love harmonizes it. Hatred darkens life, love illuminates it. Anger that turns to hate is sin. It is exactly what those that were oppressing people of color were doing. But Dr. King chose peaceful protests, protest, used the power of his words and the gospel of Jesus Christ to change people's hearts. He once says that, I have decided to stick with love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. When we carry unrighteous anger around in our hearts, we are simply allowing it to poison the rest of our body. And when that poison, when that acid starts to eke out of our hearts, it starts to create deep crevices of pain that can cause more damage and demand even more healing. You know you felt this from your anger. However, what we see is that the habit of anger can also be overcome when we choose to love like Dr. King did in both love and action. When we choose love, we choose God because God is love. I love what author Gary Chapman said. He says, loving is God's lifestyle. It's good. Friends, we live in a world of anger. Everywhere you look, you see anger and it's boiling all the time. And what this world desperately needs is a release valve for the pressure that it's under. And if we don't find the valve, the pressure will grow and grow and grow, and eventually it will explode again and again and again. But there is a release valve, my friends, to all this anger. Jesus. (laughs) It's, it's, It's love. It's choosing a different way. We can choose a different outcome in our life if we choose love over anger. In fact, if you don't take anything else that I say here today, I want you to just try to remember this one idea, that love suffocates anger and allows us to breathe deep in the spirit of God. Maybe you've heard this before. Sometimes it just feels good to be angry. You ever heard that before? And while I understand maybe that sentiment, I just, it's not a productive way to live your life. Again, Dr. Chapman would say that anger is actually the opposite of the feeling of love. Love draws you toward the person. Anger sets you against the person. When we choose love, we are choosing to draw closer to God. We are drawing our very breath from him and the closer that we are to him, the less room there is for anger because love suffocates anger and allows us to breathe deep in the spirit of God. And my goodness, on the cross of Jesus Christ, he suffocated anger with his love. He chose to take our place in front of anger and the wrath of God, which we deserve for our sin, and he absorbed it all so we would never have to feel that pain. So instead of the pain, we get to feel the warmth of his what? Of his love. That's what Jesus did for you and for me. He took our sin, in the anger, in the wrath, so that we didn't have to feel that so we could live differently, so we could live with the habit of love that doesn't create messes, but embraces the perfect order of grace. That's what he did for us. Listen to me. Here's the real question. What are you going to do with this? I, I mean it. Are, are you gonna log off? Are you gonna get up and carry on with your life like nothing happened? Are you gonna do something with it? Are you gonna seek Jesus' forgiveness for those areas of your life? Are you gonna send a text message to apologize to someone? Are you gonna do something with what you've heard today? Are you gonna are you gonna get help? with your anger from some professionals. Maybe you need to stick around after service and just get some prayer, I, I, I don't know. Last week we handed out some of these white dominoes as a remembrance of kind of the dominoes that we wanna change in our life. If you didn't get one of those, we still have plenty of them. You can come up front and grab them at any time if you'd like. Online, you are welcome to get one of these. We'll mail them out to you. Just click on the link that your hosts are gonna give you right now. Send out a boatload of them this week, we'll do it again this next week if we need to, but, but I, I don't know, I, what I'm just saying is maybe you gotta do something. Please don't let your anger destroy your life anymore. Choose Jesus, choose love. Now we're gonna worship in just a second before we take communion. And, and, and can I just say this to my online friends, don't, don't log off. Stay in this moment, do some work with Jesus, worship him, just a couple more minutes. Whatever you have after, it's still gonna be there. Just, Just sit still. All of us, take this time, find some freedom in Jesus. Let his love, his love set you free. Love suffocates anger. What it does instead is it gives us, allows us a chance to breathe deep. Spirit of God. Let's do some work today as we prepare our hearts for communion, as we worship Jesus and Jesus alone. Mighty God and Father, I thank you for this time and your word, the words of Paul, that convict us in so many different ways. I know they hit me very hard. And God, I'm no perfect, I'm definitely not perfect, no better than anyone else. So, God, I just pray that you would work on this sinful person also. But God, I just would ask that in this moment of time as we worship you, as we sing, that you would do a work in us that we would learn to say yes to your love and no to the anger that just defiles us all the time. So God, I just pray as we worship you and think about Jesus, your sacrifice for us on the cross, that we would just imagine you suffocating anger and sin and wrath and opening your arms to the love that you wanna offer us. Thank you for that. We don't deserve it, but you give it to us freely. So may your grace abound and may we love well. Jesus, you're amazing. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week on the Crossroads Grace podcast. If you enjoyed this message, please rate us and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening from. If you are interested in getting involved in our community or want to find out more information, visit us online at crossroadsgrace.org. Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Grace podcast.